Hello everyone, welcome to part 3 of our uh, series on the book of Revelation. We're so glad you're here. We're hoping that you are enjoying this as much as we are. Um, just to again reflect on the background of this book, maybe just to give us a bit of context. If you missed part 1 and 2, please go back because it sort of lays a foundation for us to work on. Um, so please go and look at uh, part 1 and 2. But we are... In 95 um, after Christ, um, and we are in the modern-day Turkey, but then Roman province of Asia, and there's a Caesar, his name is Domitianus. They are persecuting the Christians um, because they're not loyal to Rome. They need to, he asks them to worship him as their God, and obviously for the Christians that confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they can't do it. So, um so now what's happening is they can't work, they can't buy any food, they um, are also marginalized by the community, the people in the, there's small riots and gangs that, that go into their homes and um, destroy their property and kill them and um, abuse them, rape them. And so the, these Christians are crying out to God and saying, Lord, do, where are you? Um, will you? Will you please come and help us? Um, are you here in the midst of our suffering? And we see that Jesus reveals himself to John on this island of Pathmos and he's the righteous judge coming to, to give the judgments of God on the earth but also on the Christians. Um, we see that in, in chapter 1 he's got the bronze um, feet which is these, this judgment on flesh. He's got a sword coming out of his mouth. He's got a uniform of a judge um, white hair, a shining face like the sun, and John fall as if he's dead when Jesus appears to him in this way, and Jesus touches his shoulder and says to him, it's me. You're the disciple that had your, your um, head on my chest at the, at the supper. It's me, John. You know me. But he sees a resurrected Christ coming to judge the earth in his power um, with the sword coming out of his mouth, and he falls as if he's dead. It's a beautiful picture of how people throughout Scripture react when they see react when they see God, they fall as if as if dead, and they're so aware of his of his holiness. Um, and then Jesus says that he is walking in the midst of these seven churches. So he's telling these Christians, "I am with you. I'm walking in between the churches, and I know you." And we see that last week with the first three churches, we see that Jesus knows exactly what's going on in each and every church which is amazing. He, he, whichever church you are in, he knows exactly what's going on in your church, uh, which is quite scary. And he knows exactly what's going on, obviously, in your life as well. And there's, there's the, this, he's got eyes with, filled with flames of fire, which says that he sees everything. He can see the intentions of our heart. He can see our, our thoughts. He can see everything. We open before him. It doesn't help that we wear masks or we try to hide our sin and think that he doesn't know about it. He sees everything. And what I want you guys to remember when we go through these judgments over the churches, which is quite harsh um, or hard for us to consume, um, it, it's, I want you also to remember that truth uh, we say in Afrikaans, the waarheid maak jou seer en dan maak jou vry. So the truth will first hurt you. Um, when you process it, it will hurt you, it will cut you, and then it will, make, it will cause freedom. So, so um, maybe some of you are experiencing, are experiencing that, but 
What I want you to remember is that when Jesus revealed himself in this way to John and these Christians, they were greatly encouraged by it. Because the judgment of Jesus on the world is grace to the believers. And, and his judgment over them tells them that he loves them and he knows them and he's in between them and he knows exactly what's going on. And this gave them a new perspective where they, they, were, they were able to lift themselves over their circumstances and actually um, still worship Jesus and be in love with him. So we see this mother and the, the two daughters in the middle of the Colosseum. When the lions come out of the gates, they still worship Jesus because they've got a new perspective. What is this new perspective? It's, it's caused by this revelation in the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, that he is the judge. He sees everything and that he, is the, he has the final say. He's the king. He's on the throne. He's in charge and he knows exactly what's happening. So rather than fearing flesh or Dumashihanas, or the Romans, or the fact that they don't have food to eat. They should fear God and be obedient to Him. And this caused them to have a new perspective and actually to lift themselves out of the circumstances and keep their eyes on Jesus. Now it's interesting to me, I don't know if this is the same with you as it was with me, that, that these truths actually confronted me. Because I'm not in the same situation as, as they are. So th it was really almost a confrontation. And some of us are almost offended at this idea that Jesus judges believers and that he judges his church. But Peter also says um, in, the, in the New Testament, you can go and read, he says that judgment begins at the house of God. It's said in scripture and it, it's shown in the book of Revelation. Scripture will not contradict each other. Um, and it's shown in the book of Revelation that, that this is a truth. So for us, we've got a negative perspective and I think it's because... Some of us grew up in churches where the judgment of God is used as a stick. And I actually forgot to say this to the Afrikaans church, but it's, it's, it's almost used as a stick to keep us loyal and committed to God. And that was never the idea. This is, the idea is not that, that God um, frightens us into following Him. The idea is that He shows Himself as a righteous judge and that He loves us. And because of His love, He disciplines us. And if we don't listen and we reject His grace, He will judge us. But at the end, He also wants us to be saved. He wants the judgment will, will cause our flesh and our soul to cry out to Him and for us to come back. So we've got a negative perspective about judgment. It's almost like an abusive father. But, but when Jesus does this, it's, it's because... His, his judgment is actually an act of grace and an act of love. I think we should change the way that we see these things. Um, it's not negative and it caused this new perspective in this believers and they were greatly encouraged because of this. So let's, let's start with our next church. It's the church in Thyatira. Um, I'm going to read to you and then I'm going to explain to you. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God. Every single start of every church, of every chapter, of every sub-chapter, um, there is a way in which Jesus reveals himself to them. And it's usually connected to the, um, the judgment that he makes over them. That, that which he says he is, they are not. Okay, Or that what he is revealing himself as is a function of what he wants to do in the church. So these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, 
and whose feet, whose feet are like burnished bronze. Okay, there's, there's trouble here because Jesus says, I've got flames of fire in my eyes and I've got feet of burnished bronze. And we know that that feet means that the judgment on flesh. So Jesus is telling them, you must hold on to your seat and there's some judgment coming. And he says the following over them, good, this, is, this is a good testimony. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, that you are now doing more than you did at first. This is great. You're doing now more than you did at first. But nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel. <laughs> this is great. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel. You tolerate her. And you shouldn't. You shouldn't tolerate her. So let me just explain to you what this woman did and why they shouldn't tolerate what she's, been, she's up to. Is that she, she had a prominent, um, she was a prominent figure in the church. She had a place of influence and she actually calls herself a prophetess. Okay, it's interesting when someone makes claims about titles, you should run away. Okay, when the, the list beneath the email says, this, 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 and then the name, and it's so long that you almost can't type anything there, then you should run away, okay? <laughs> just, 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 just leave that there. Um, she calls herself a prophetess. She says, I'm the oracle of God. I speak the words of God. And what she taught them is that she said that it's fine to compromise with the world and the system of the world. So, so she preached a very popular message. She said, um, well, you, you should eat and you should care for your family, which is, is true. You should eat and you should care for your family. But the only way that you can do this now as believers is that you actually should compromise and worship Dumishihanes and also worship some other gods while you're at it. And, and um, the, the judgment on this woman out of this church, he focuses on this one woman and everyone that listens to her teachings and are loyal to her. Um, and he's, 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 he's actually warning them to turn away. Otherwise, there will be very um, bad effects from them listening to what Jezebel is saying. So, so just to, to, to tell you before we let's come to the judgment is that when, when they served other idols or other gods in, in the Old Testament or even in those cultures, it, it normally went with uh, sacrificing babies and having massive sexual orgies in the temples. So it was so contrary to the word of God and the love of Christ and that, that, that he made them new that he's, he called the whole church plus her out of it and say, please stop with that. Okay. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel. Uh, it's not the fact that she's a woman and she's teaching. I don't want you to, to hear that. I'm not saying that. Jesus has got no issue with the fact that a woman is teaching. He's got an issue with the content with what she's teaching. Okay, so it's not that, that it's a woman, but the fact that, that she's teaching them into deception. Who calls herself a prophetess. By teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I've given, listen to this, this is interesting. I've given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. Again, the grace of God, unlimited grace for everyone that uses it. It's there for everyone to use. It's, it's, it's not only for a select few, it's available to everyone. Um, <clears throat> the, the saving grace of God, but it's limited to those who refuse it. And again here, 
what happened is through, I presume that through the Holy Spirit, Jesus um, said to, to this woman, you should repent, turn away, repent, turn away. And she was unwilling. So she will never be able to stand in front of the judge and say that I'm unguilty because there's a record of her wrongs. There's a record of Jesus coming through, through to her, through his spirit to her and asking her to repent. And she's unwilling. And then we know that the grace is limited. Jesus is actually promising that he will judge her. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering. I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am, the, I am he who searches hearts and minds. And I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Not your intentions, your deeds. So if, if you're listening to her and you're following her ways, you should repent and come away from that. Um, otherwise, you're going to be as guilty as her. So he's got this against this church that they allowed this woman to teach to have a place of, of influence in their midst and that they are listening to her and following her ways, which is contrary to the ways of Jesus. Okay, um, now I say to the rest of you in Teatira, to you who do not hold to a teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you, only to hold on to what you have until I come. Hold on to what you have until I come. To him who overcomes... And does my will to the end. Again, you're not saved once and then it's fine. You keep on till the end. I will give authority over the nations. I'll give authority over the nations. So Jesus is asking this church, please expose this woman. Turn away from her teachings. Hand her over to me. Throw her out. Refuse that she will have fellowship with you. Do not give her a podium to teach or a platform to teach, and do not be influenced by her. Turn away to my ways, and then I will give you authority over the nations. To the church in, in, in Sardis, um, the church in Sardis, the following, to the angel of the church in Sardis writes, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God. It's the fullness of God's spirit and the seven stars. That's the seven leaders of the churches. I know your deeds, you have a reputation. Okay, so Jesus is saying, I know you. I know your deeds. I know what you do. And then he says the following. He says um, that you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. This is a very bad thing. <laughs> this is not a great testimony that you have the reputation of being alive, but actually you're dead. All of us, we've seen this, that when people are long enough in church and in church community, they know what to say. They know how to react. They know when to say the right things and when to lift their the hands in worship and when to say Amen, Hallelujah, Brur, um, and all these things. You, you learn the lingo, you learn the culture, but you're actually dead inside. So what happened here is this is a group of people that is not, they're still relying on the testimony of their salvation 30 years back. And since then, God has done nothing. There's been no growth. It's not that God is unwilling to do anything. It's just that they stopped growing. They don't want to grow anymore. Um, and therefore, Jesus is saying, you've got the reputation, the lip service of being alive. You say that you're alive, but you're actually dead inside. You're dead inside. So, so there was no growth, no growth in, in, in this church. Um, in Hebrews 5, you can go and read it, verse 12 to 14. It says, 
Um, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, but, but Paul is writing to this church in Rome and he's telling them that by this time you should have been teachers. Um, but now I must teach you the elementary things of the word of God again. You should have been eating meat, but I must give you milk because you are spiritual children. You're children. And it's the same with this. They are actually matured in age. There's been a long time since they've been saved, but there's been no growth and they are still spiritual children. Okay, they're still spiritual children. And this is the, the first thing that he says to them, verse 2, wake up. <laughs> wake up. This is a very important thing that we learn from this church, is that disobedience will cause you to sleep spiritually. Disobedience will cause you to fall asleep spiritually. Um, this church is asleep. They're asleep. They're not growing. Um, Christ is not being formed in them. The testimony is that of 30 years back and there's nothing new happening in, in their life. They're not actually following Jesus. They are asleep. And Jesus tells them, wake up. John 15, 5, it says that when we are in Him, when we're in Jesus, we will bear fruit. We will bear fruit. There will be obedience. There will be some fruit of repentance when we are in Him. It, it makes me think of one of the most scary verses in the Bible, Matthew 7, 21. It says that... On the last days, they will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in, in your name? Did we not heal the sick? Did we not cast out demons? And yet I will tell them, I do not know you. This is the exact same thing for this, this church. It's not only that they know the lingo and the culture of church. They can say the right things, but they can also do the work. And still they are not with Jesus. You can do the work, but you are not with Jesus. You're not one with Him. You're dead spiritually. You're asleep. Um, and, and, and Jesus is telling them, I should actually give you just milk again. You should go back to obedience because this is what I want you to, to, to remember is uh, when we are obedient and Jesus says that obedience, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. God's love language for us is obedience. If we are obedient, we love Him, we grow, we form, Christ forms in us, we have character. The same message for the church in Corinth. He says, you've got all these spiritual gifts, there's prophesying and all these wonderful things happening and you're running around after all these gifts, but there's no character. There's a guy sleeping with his mother-in-law, there's no character. You're, you're sinners, you're all over the place, you're fleshly because Christ has not been formed in you. Why not? You've got all these beautiful gifts, but you're not obedient. You're not obedient. So disobedience will cause us to fall asleep spiritually. But when we're obedient, then over time it happens that Christ is formed in us. We, we develop some character and we can see Jesus clearly and we can, can follow him. There's no other way. It doesn't work any other way. It doesn't matter how old you are or what age you are. I've seen spiritually mature 19 years old, 19 year olds and I've seen spiritual immature 60 year olds okay so it's got nothing to do with age it's the consistency of being obedient over time so that the character of christ will be formed in us and he will say you're not only doing lip service but you're actually also alive on the inside this is the same and this is a scary thing about this church is that these people are dead inside like jesus say but they're doing the lip service they're saying that they're alive but they're actually dead and they are still willing to pay the price for the gospel. So they are still being persecuted. But the, the, the scary thing is Jesus 
says that it's not good enough. And it's the same words that the prophet Samuel said to Saul. He said, Saul, does God, is God pleased, delighted in all these offerings? Or does he, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing again, or is he pleased in obedience? He wants obedience instead of all these offerings and sacrifices that you're making. For us, that these guys, this is, this is important for us, these guys were willing to sacrifice for the gospel. They were willing to pay the price. But Jesus didn't recognize it because they were disobedient. So it can be that you do lip service, you pay a price for the gospel, but Jesus doesn't recognize you. He's saying, I don't know you, 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 you you're dead inside. Okay, this is this scary. Um, wake up, strengthen what remain, and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of God. I've not found your deeds complete in the sight of God. It's not good enough. <laughs> um, why? Because it's not that they do little. It's that they're not obedient. Okay? They've got dead works. It's dead works. And, and, and sometimes we think dead works are cute or it's good. You know, I'm trying. But in Hebrews, Paul writes, he says, you should repent of your dead works. All those works that you do to be righteous before God, you should, it's not cute. You should repent of it. You should, it's a sin before God. Um, remember therefore what you have received and heard obey it and repent but if you do not wake up I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you you will not know I'll come like a thief and you'll not know what time I'll come to you yet you have a few people who have not so soiled their clothes they will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy he who overcomes will like them be dressed in white Jesus is telling them I want this for all of you repent I will give you new white clothes and you will overcome and you will walk with me. He's telling them, this is my desire for you guys. I'm confronting you. Please repent, turn away so that, I, so that you can be overcomers and you can walk with me. The church in, in Philadelphia is, is probably the, the best church of, of everyone. Not because of his size, not because of his influence, but because of the obedience. Okay, in this church... I love how Jesus speaks to them. I love how, how soft he speaks to them. It's like a father with a child on his, on his lap. I love what he's saying to them. He's got no rebuke for them. Um, he's, he's only got encouragement. Only tells them, hold on guys, hold on till the end. Um, I will, I'm with you. I'm going to protect you and I'm going to give you all these promises. I'm going to give you a new name and, and these things. So he's not, he's not angry. And he's not unjust in his judgments. Um, he's not looking for things to accuse us of. That if we're obedient to him, he will, he will, like this church, bless us. And there will be a blessing in our obedience like Deuteronomy 28 says. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. Now, um, again, Jesus is saying, I am the I am the true witness. I am holy and true, and I hold the key. Hold the keys of David. What is this keys? These keys are access to the kingdom. And there's a group of Jews persecuting this church that tells these peoples or followers of the way of Jesus that they need to obey the law and do all the commandments and be Jews and all this so that they can have access to the kingdom. And Jesus. Is telling them, listen, I've got the keys to the kingdom. I've got the keys of David. And if I've given you access to the kingdom, no one can take that away. I don't care what these Jews say. 
<laughs> I know what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. I know you. He knows these people. It's his people, his property, his church, um, they belong to him. See, I've placed before you an open door. This is the door, the invitation to the kingdom that no one can shut. I know you have little strength. These guys are tired. They've been fighting persecution from inside, persecution from outside. They've been loyal to Jesus and they're, they're tired. And Jesus, they're not this hyper charismatics that it's going good with me and everything. He's saying, hey guys, I know you're tired. I know you're tired. You've been working. You've been loyal to me. And I'm going to give you strength. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word, have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. I will, those people that's persecuting you, I will cause them to fall down on their knees and tell you that I love you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently as an obedient church, I will all also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. Says, when the, that trial comes, Jesus says, I'll protect you. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have. This is the only instruction he gives them. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. Hold on to your crown. Hold on to what you have. He who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Um, never again will he leave it. I will write on him in the name of my God, in the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God, speaking about the church. And I will also write on him my new name. That, that, that new name of Jesus that will be written on these people is the full revelation of who Jesus is. Okay? He, that's what that verse means. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Amazing, amazing example of an obedient, loyal, faithful church following Jesus in the midst of persecution. And Jesus works with them. He says to you, guys, I love you. I've got all these promises for you. Just hold on, hold on. Last church, the best for last. Laodicea. Um, these, guys, these guys received some harsh words. <laughs> so uh, to the angel of the church in light Laodicea write these are the words of the amen the faithful and the true witness you see the issue is with their witness that's why Jesus says I'm the true witness the ruler of God's creation I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot now interesting facts about this town before we go into it is that they were wealthy and they were strategically placed um, between Smyrna and some of the coast towns, which made them an ideal place for trade. Um, they, they had a very um, solid bank industry and they trade and um, a, a wealthy town. So, so these believers um, think that they're fine, which is the problem. Also, they had, a, they had, no, wa they had no water, so they had to take pipes from a hot water source out of town so that it can come to town. But by the time it came to the town, because of some of the minerals that, that blocked the pipes, it was actually lukewarm. And he, Jesus uses this to speak to them. So they've got lukewarm water. It's not cold nor hot. They've got lukewarm water in the town, but it's because of the pipe. And Jesus used this to speak to them. So these are the words. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. That words there is, I'm about to vomit you out. This is the harshest words for this church. 
<laughs> okay, the harshest words, and we will see why. Um, I will vomit you out. So Jesus says, be hot. With, you've got a great testimony, and you're faithful to have a relationship with me. Or be cold, so that I can know that you need salvation, you need to, to repent, and you need a Savior. But now you're in between. You're lukewarm. You, 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 you say that you're hot, but you're actually cold inside. And because of that, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And that's actually what happens when people dr drank this lukewarm water. They vomited it out. If, I don't know if you've drank lukewarm water. It's horrible. So Jesus is saying to them, I'm going to spit you out. Um, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. These guys are unaware of their spiritual condition. Now, this is very interesting. How do a group of people become unaware of their spiritual condition? It's because that they are not... One of the reasons is because of spiritual pride. These guys are arrogant. They think that they've made it because there's a lot of money. Um, and therefore, they are unaware that they are poor, blind, and naked. And Jesus is telling them, he's confronting them. He's telling them, this is the true state of your spirituality and your relationship with me. I'm going to vomit you out. You're lukewarm. You're nowhere near growing. You're nowhere near me. So Jesus is saying, I'm on the outside and I'm knocking and I want to come in. I want to dine with you. I want to have fellowship with you. Um, which is not having right now because these people think they're fine. This is what spiritual pride does. It, 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 it blinds us causes blindness. This is scary. Spiritual blindness. You cannot see your true state um, because you think more highly of yourself than you ought to, like Scripture says. That's what pride is. You think you're fine, but actually you're not. I counsel you. The, the, the Afrikaans says, Ek rai jou an, <laughs> which is a, a, a very good language to use to, to, to actually say, listen, um, I, I counsel you. You, you. you should listen to me. Um, when I want to, to punish my children, I say to them, go and do this, and, and then there will not be consequences. So Jesus says, I counsel you, listen, you should listen to me now. This is what you should do. Buy from me gold refined in the fire. That's gold refined in the fire is faith. Get faith from me. Ask me for faith so, you, so that you can become rich. The true riches of the kingdom is faith refined by fire. And white clothes to wear. So you can cover your shameful nakedness. That is, that clothes is the clothes of righteousness. So you can cover yourself and, and solve to put on your eyes so that you can see. We see, this is how we know that they are, they are blind. is because Jesus said, you should buy some soul from me so that you can actually put it on your eyes so that you can see your true state in which you are. To those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. This is the same words that we see in, in Hebrews, um, in, in that book that says that I discipline only those whom I love. And this is Jesus rebuking them, disciplining them. Why? Because he wants them to return to him. He wants to dine with them. He wants to be with them. He says, I've got, a, I've got a desire to be with you guys, but you are so full of yourself, almost spiritual gangsters, that I can't come to you because you don't see the true state of, of your spirituality and your, your relationship with me. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I'm standing at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. That's the promise. Say, if, guys, if you open, 
Now, this is interesting because grace says that it's limited to those who refuse it. So for me, Jesus should be inside the house, but now he's outside of the house. But luckily, he's still wanting to come in. He's knocking. The next move will be he walks away because that was, that was his, his warning of judgment to the first church. He said, I'll come to take your lampstand. I'll walk away. I'll not be in your midst. You'll not, you, you'll not be aware of my presence. So the next step here, if these guys do not repent, is Jesus walking away and saying, this is not a group of people that belong to me. I don't know them. I don't know them. This is scary. To him who overcomes, I'll give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sit down with my father on his throne. The judgment of the seven churches. I want to I reduce all all, everything we, we heard to one simple thing that we should do. I want to read to you Matthew 17. If you've got a Bible there, you can turn there. Matthew 17, 1 to 8. It says the following. After six, okay, before I read it to you, Jesus takes some of his disciples with him to the mountain of transfiguration. And on this mountain, they have a unique encounter with God. Jesus He's got the same appearance as the way he appeared to John. So you can look at that. And then God says something that is what he's saying to us through these seven churches. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, exact same thing as Revelation 1. And his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Now listen to Peter's response. <laughs> Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He's a, a very eager disciple. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud involved, involved them, and a voice from the cloud said, now listen to this, This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. And this is exactly the message for us through all these seven things is, who is Jesus to you, to us? Who is he? Is he, is he the righteous judge? Is he the king? Is he the redeemer? Is he the savior? Is he the healer? Who is Jesus and what is he saying? Because we should listen to him. Are we submitted to his authority? Or are we allowing pride to cause blindness are we allowing um, arrogance in our life are we asleep because of our disobedience are we allowing the the gospel plus everything else a mixture in our life because Jesus will stand with that flames of fire in his eyes before us as believers because he loves us he will rebuke us and say if you don't repent um, this and this and this will happen so what who is Jesus is is the lamb of God and we will see this next week revelation 4 beautiful uh, moment in heaven that we can witness and we can see the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah sitting on the throne. What is he saying? Are we listening to him? Are we obedient to him? That is the two questions we need to constantly ask ourselves, our communities. Who is Jesus to us? And, and he's not something different to you than he is in scripture. Okay. And what is he saying? Are we obedient to his voice? Are we listening to him? Are we submitted under his authority is he still the king in our life or he's still the judge he's lord of everything of us of our church our community our lives and do we still bow our knee to him 
Because if, that, if you can answer yes to those two questions, you can say this is who Jesus is, what he says in the Bible, and, and how he reveals himself is what he is to me. And the things he says in the word, I've got an utmost desire to be obedient to that. Then we will be like that church in Philadelphia where he says, just hold on. Just hold on. I, I see all these things and I promise you all these things. I'm not here with a rod. Um, I'm not here to, to, to punish. I'm, I'm, I'm here to promise and to bless you and to lead you like the psalm says. So I want to I pray for us. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that you are the only true God. There is no one like you. Scripture says that you're the only way, the only life, and no one comes to the Father but by you. And the only truth. And today we want to bow our knees and just say again, Jesus, that we love you. That we love you. And, and apart from just your love, we want, to, we want to be obedient to you. Because we know that's how you experience our love. That we, we will be obedient to keep your commands. To keep the words that you say. The warnings that you give to us. And we say, Lord, any mixture that's in our life. Any mixture of, of theology. Any mixture of the world. Every, any arrogance lord any disobedience we pray that you'll you'll use that sword that's coming out of your mouth and cut cut us discipline us love us like only you can thank you that we will not view love out of out of a humanistic place but we will view love from your holiness and through your holiness we will know what grace is and we will know what your love is and we will know what your judgment is we love you and we belong to you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you guys. Um, we hope to see you next week when we speak about Revelation 4. Amazing, amazing piece of scripture which is going to really bless you. I hope you have a great week. Thank you for listening.